It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. So we just had an interesting discussion here about the Massey Tunnel. This mm-hmm. is the, the never-ending never battle controversy. in B.C. And I thought this councillor from Delta, Dylan Kruger, is raising a good point on it. Like he's saying, there was this overpass for this people who commute through Lang- uh, Ladner. Ladner, and somehow it's been dropped off the table in this new bridge, new tunnel design. He says it's basically... Uh, 40 million bucks, which he described as kind of a rounding Rounding error on a $4 billion project. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure why that was dropped. I mean, they're always looking to cut costs on these, these huge projects. Remember the the Canada line, if you recall, used to have a lot more stations, uh, in the original concept. And then they were dropped because of costs. Yeah. Not sure what the answer is here, but he makes a pretty good point, uh, for a $4 billion project. Um, yeah, less than 1% is what this, this particular overpass would cost. And he, he says, and I'm not familiar w- with all the geography there. He says there's only one way out of Ladner. Yeah. Uh, and he wants just another, another route for West Ladner residents. Liberals, of course, jumping all over this here today saying like, oh, this is another example of how the NDP have botched this Massey tunnel replacement. Of course, they wanted to build that bridge that the NDP canceled. So that continues to be a fight. But the liberals still want to go back to the bridge. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, it still might be bridge versus tunnel come, yeah. the, come the next uh, election, and it's also no longer going to be the Massey Tunnel. It's it's just the Fraser. It's going to have a new name. Yeah, don't know what it is, but uh, even in budget documents, it's not referred to as the Massey Tunnel Replacement Project anymore. It's the Fraser Tunnel Replacement. Okay, let's project. listen now. Speaking of the bridge versus tunnel battle, let's have a listen to Liberal leader Kevin Falcon here on an earlier show about whether they would go back to Plan A and build a bridge instead. So have a listen to this. They want to do this crazy idea with the tunnel. They're going to be stuck in the environmental assessment process for the next five years. Nothing will have gotten done. That's why I'm going to go back to the bridge idea. We can dust off the old plans, update them, and get that thing built. You think he could go back to the bridge? Uh, well, it, you can, well, if you're in government, you can pretty well build anything you want subject <laughs> to assessment. So the bridge has already gone through the assessment. Yeah. I'm not sure... The bridge is all that popular in Richmond, though, yeah. and that's a pretty valuable battleground, electoral battleground, where the NDP made inroads for the first time since the 70s, and um, I'm not sure the residents of, you know, you go back to that bridge concept, I remember one of the fascinating things about, that bridge was so massive. It was huge. They talked about, the, the, the one of the reports talked about the, um, the uh, shadow creep, or yeah literally blocking out the sun 24 hours a day. It was so massive over a certain housing development. So if you lived in that housing development, you would never see the sun, direct sunlight, because the bridge was so massive. Yeah, so, it was going to be the biggest bridge in B.C. It was a 10-lane oh, bridge. Sure. It was going to be huge. Yeah, no, massive bridge uh, with, uh, again, huge. One of, one of the challenges with building a bridge there, which we documented back when the bridge was actually going to be built, was driving the pilings into that yeah. fertile uh, loam uh, yeah. silt land there, which is the reason the tunnel was there in the first place. Back in the 60s, they didn't have the technology to build a bridge in such a porous uh, uh, ground soil situation. Now, apparently we do, but it's fascinating. This debate just doesn't die. Just okay, so they, you know, they flipped, they flopped. Now you got Falcon talking about flipping again, going back to plan A. I mean, at some point, do you think the public just gets sick of this back and forth and say, just do something? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. If, if any motor is stuck in that tunnel every day, just once something yeah. done. Yeah, um, you know the tunnel concept has a lot of detractors as well as the yeah. bridge concept. There's yeah. there's no popular alternative here. 
Okay, get set to call me on that one. David Eby has a news conference coming up mm-hmm. later today. This is on rentals. What's going on here? Yeah, it's for some sort of rental protection. Don't have the, the details. It's going to be out at 1030. Right. Um, this is one of his favorite food groups is housing. So yeah. you've got um, health care, which we saw earlier in the week with the nurse's announcement. Today is housing. This is renters, uh, some sort of rental protection thing. Uh, you've got, I would look for EB to make more announcements next week on, I would expect, public safety, which is another one of his big um, priorities, and a clean economy. And we're still waiting to see the details of how he's going to deal with the downtown east side and the the massive encampment on Hastings Street. He's talked about how the SROs, after Global did a number of stories of showing the degrading living conditions of SROs that he agrees these are not appropriate. But again, we haven't seen the details of how those are going to be reported. Yeah, so all we know this it's coming this morning is some sort of rental protection. He had talked earlier about concerns about existing rental stock and how he wanted to protect that and make sure, you know, some of these buildings don't get bought up by developers and turned into turned into condos. Yeah. Expensive three thousand dollar a month condos, yeah. which are not affordable to many. So maybe people. it's maybe it's something to do with that. What about the renters rebate? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not picking up that. That's coming anytime soon. Okay, four hundred bucks promised. How many years ago now? I think he's on the record saying he still plant hopes it's to deliver that. Still in the books. Give four hundred dollars to a rent renters. But, uh, we'll see. That's going to be at ten thirty today. Okay, that'll be interesting. Um, speaking of rentals, we talked earlier on the show too about the the condo reforms that David Eby has brought in. He wanted to create more rental opportunities for people, so he said he wanted to get rid of those rental restrictions in strata buildings all condos available to rent if the owner wants to rent them out. Now we see this development where some strata buildings are switching to 55-plus age restrictions. So only older people can rent. Right. So maybe as a way to discourage younger renters from coming into the building. And EB was asked about that. Listen to what he had to say here. So this is David EB talking about strata buildings bringing in these 55-plus age restrictions. Listen to how he uh, turns this around here. It's a new program, and so we'll be monitoring this carefully. But it's important to note uh, that we have a lot of seniors that are looking for a place to rent. Uh, and this may actually be helpful uh, to, uh, to ensure that seniors have uh, high-quality seniors housing that's available for them to rent. The Liberals called on, the, on EB to put the brakes on this thing this morning. Yeah, there's um, well more than a dozen strata councils already have done this, um, out of a you know a huge number of strata yeah. councils, so not a huge number yet, but... Some describe it as a loophole. Evie and Ravi Kalin, the housing minister, don't say it's not a loophole. It's it's maybe an unintended consequence, but they don't mind it. Um, it's one thing to open up rentals in condos. Another thing to make them affordable. I mean, you're not going to find a, a condo yeah. uh, for seniors for less than, depending where you live, you know, at least two, three thousand dollars a month, which isn't affordable for many people. Yeah, the Liberal critic told me this morning that they felt, the Liberals felt that this was rushed through the legislature. Well, I think it was that's a legitimate through. complaint. It, it was rushed through. Yeah. This was in, this legislation was introduced at the 11th hour. They shaved yeah. a week off the sitting. They had to bring in a form of closure for a number of bills. Uh, so, yeah, this was rushed through the ledge, and there wasn't a lot of scrutiny. I, I wonder if, you know, they, they're calling them now, well, maybe they should pause this and do more consultation. Do you detect any appetite in the EB to put any brakes on this at all? No, but I do note his comment about how they're monitoring this. I think yeah. they want to gather some data. Uh, the spring, the House sits again in February. Yeah. There would be time to bring an amendment in uh, if they see a loophole that needs to be closed, and whether or not this is a loophole or not seems to be a split of opinion on that. Baldry's beat lots of calls. Rick in Port Moody. Hi, Rick. Go ahead. 
thanks for taking my call. Happy New Year to both of you. I, you know, I, I really, I, I mean, I really think this is rushed with the, uh, you know, what EB is doing with the, with the condo uh, rental situation. I, I am, I am baffled uh, why, you know, people aren't asking the question, why would a homeowner rent their condo? It's, it's not because they want to help someone, uh, you know, move into it. They want to make money out of it. And I don't know if maybe the condos, the condo boards are going the wrong way, but you know, turning it into 55 plus. I don't know if they have the ability to, but why wouldn't they just add a rental levy to a condo unit that's being rented out and, uh, you know, for, for possible damage that might occur? And, and I mean, those that say damage doesn't occur clearly are, are you know, the, the small minority because we've all been in places, and I mean, I, I live in a house, and, and there was a rental house down the street, and the, the owners from there, or the people that were renting, were parking all over the place. The city ended okay. up... Making making my street no parking. So uh, maybe there's another way these people, uh, that condo boards can handle this. And um, and I just thanks. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. Situa- All right. Thanks for the call. Well, I think some strata councils are going to be a little more creative than others, and they're going to find different uh, sort of ways around rules or loopholes or such. But I th- still say, look for the government to compile as much data as possible. What's actually happening yeah. in these places, rather than these one-off anecdotal. Um, situations that people come up with get a get a, a massive data over time yeah. and then make changes accordingly if they're required rick and surrey hi rick go ahead hi how you doing thanks for taking my call just a couple of questions the 55 and older i hope these people realize the minute they do that they're going to lower the value of their homes mm-hmm. secondly more importantly by mr evt doing these uh, bylaw changes it's not going to help any low to moderate income family and that's pretty much what is needed out here and what I'm questioning is, why doesn't he go to the housing provider like BC Housing and Metro Housing, who I know very well, has got a ton of houses that are rented from people that are now single people in a three-bedroom unit. All, some of them are making well in excess of 150000 I am, know this for a fact. But he doesn't seem to go into audit these guys. Why doesn't he go after that? Thanks for the call. I'm not sure what you mean by that, but um, the housing file is not closed. I mean, today you're going to see an announcement, 1030, about renters and some sort of rental protection. Uh, you're going to see more announcements on housing in the weeks ahead. So some of the suggestions callers are making could very well be part of what's to come. That was an interesting point he made, though. Like, if you go to a 55-plus rule to somehow kind of frustrate renters, to block renters coming in or limit you, you limit the, the number. Of, of, yeah. Because, you know, the more restrictions you put on a place, it sort of reduces the value of it, doesn't it? Does. It does. And again, this is where it's this whole new territory here. And everyone's predicting what's going to happen yeah. or envisioning. Uh, and no one knows exactly what's going to happen as a result. Dave in Nanaimo. Hi, Dave. Go ahead. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. I have a, just a couple of quick points. I wanted to rebut uh, a lady who called in earlier who said that uh, her and her sister had bought a condo and then they rented it out under the radar and uh, then proceeded to diss the council. It's like she was breaking the rules from the very start. Yeah, That's all I wanted to say about her. And then the other thing about the 55-plus, people buy these condos. They're their homes. So if the government wants to make it attractive to rent them, maybe they should be giving the incentives to the people that are renting them so that they would rent them out to people. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Well, 
you know, this goes back to another argument from some of the strata councils here saying that EB has come up with a solution that's looking for a problem here because they're arguing that there's not a lot of vacancy in these condos anyway. Now, the government has turned around and said, well, hang on, we have looked at the data on our empty homes tax, Mm -hmm. and we think there are a significant number of empty condos sitting out there that could be rented out. Mm -hmm. How how many was it again? Wasn't it... Uh, the number slipped my mind, but it was not an insignificant number. I think it was less than a thousand, but it was still. Um, I haven't got the number in front of me. Anyways, it was yeah. it was a, a fairly high number in terms, yeah. of, but not against the overall uh, market. But if you're talking about one, two, three thousand people or units that are empty, well, that's a lot of people. Uh, satisfy a lot of families that they can move in there. Our former colleague Shane Woodford, who's now in Denmark, came on. The show a while ago, they've had a condo in Westminster sitting empty, right? Since they moved to Denmark, they couldn't rent it out because the rentals were not allowed. Rentals were not allowed, right. but they didn't want to give up the condo because it's just, it's a great thing to come back to. Well, there's a, a good example, and yeah. I think there's a lot of a lot of these people are I think people who are forced by circumstances or jobs to leave town, but they don't want to give up the condo. Yeah, but why can't they rent it? Lori in Mission. Hi, Lori. Go ahead. Hi, Mike. How are you guys today? Good. good. I want to address the elephant in the room, which is the amazement I have at how poorly renters are regarded in the lower mainland. And it amazes me that if I'm renting a house or an apartment and I'm paying $2,500 to $3,000 a month in rent, that I'm viewed as a second-class citizen because I don't own my home. Thank you yeah, for that no, point. There is a stereotype view of renters that is totally inaccurate. I mean, there are, of course, bad renters, but there's also bad homeowners who actually own their homes. In my neighborhood, we've got good examples of both. We've got great renters, and I've, there's a couple of homeowners that aren't probably the most popular homeowners in, in the entire neighborhood. So, uh, again, I made this point before. I live next to a fiveplex. There's been many renters there over the years. All of them have been very good. They don't have late-night parties or anything like this. Uh, and again, we've rented, we have a basement suite. We've rented to students over the years, and they've all been great. Uh, Laura in Richmond. Hi, Laura. Go ahead. Hi. 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 Uh, no one's mentioning that I've heard anyway that if 200 stratas have applied to change the bylaw, in fact, after they do that, then they have to have an AGM or an SGM, special general meeting, and get at least 75% of the vote of people that attend in person or by proxy. So 200 may apply, but maybe only 50 will actually get enough support within the building. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point, yeah. yeah. A reminder how strata councils actually work. Yeah, yeah, that, that is a good point. Thank you for, for making that. Hans in North Van. Hans, you got 30 seconds here. Okay, just a quick one. It's This whole thing is framed like renters, like renters are second-class citizens. It's not the renters that uh, owners are against. It's really just the inability of the owners who are renting it out and don't give a hoot. They cause, if their renter causes a problem, then they are not un, they're unwilling or unable to deal with this. And it's that. And the strata council is left with this, and there's no benefit yeah. for the strata council. So maybe sometimes it's a bad landlord. 20 seconds. Yeah, and the other uh, problem flagged by some strata council presidents that I've talked to is that if you suddenly have a building full of renters, you don't have anyone doing the work in yeah. terms of maintaining or doing the extra work that's required to make the strata a more attractive place. 